0: Welcome to God's story of love. We are blessed to come here yet again and to hear God's good word to us. And we are doing that in the season of Advent. Advent means coming. Advent has to do with coming. Someone is coming I remember when I was little, my closest grandparents lived a half hour away. My grandparents that lived the furthest away were all the way off in New Jersey. And so we were excited when they were coming. Excited, anticipated it. Coming, someone is coming. Now, if I were to hand out pieces of paper and a pencil right now, chances are you would all be able to answer who's coming? Who's coming? Jesus, but Advent is a double-meaning coming. I'll put it to you this way. The grandparents that were closest were the ones who lived just a half hour away, and just after Thanksgiving, they would go down to their second home in Florida. Sound familiar to anyone? And in going down to their second home, that meant they weren't around for Christmas. So you know what Thanksgiving was? Thanksgiving was both Thanksgiving and Christmas. It had a double meaning, Thanksgiving did for me. The coming of Jesus is a double meaning. It is both the excitement and the anticipation of the Christ child of celebrating Jesus' birth. It is also... The coming of Jesus again. Advent is more than just a warm up to Christmas. And boy, I love that warm up. It is also time for us to refocus and remember that Christ will come again. So, because someone is coming, namely Jesus, Because my grandparents were coming, when they were coming, we did something with the house. Maybe you don't do this. When when company's coming, do you do any tidying up? Most of us have gotten to the place where not only do we tidy up, but we have that room. You know what I'm talking about, right? Put it in the room. It used to be a closet for people. We've graduated to a whole room, right? Coming, getting ready. And yet, what Jesus is about is about us cleaning out that closet and cleaning out that room. Not just shuffling and making everything look good. It's about really restoring who we are to be. So in Advent, in the season of Advent in the church, we often read a number of passages that are all about preparing, getting ready. And those preparing passages aren't so much telling us what to do as much as they are reminding us of the bigger picture of who we are and who God is and what God has done. These passages of preparation are often a reminder and they are a setting of the stage. We read the prophets often during Advent telling us that there's these prophecies that God was going to send the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. We read stories like from the Gospels where we hear the angelic announcements either to Zechariah about John the Baptist or even to Mary that she's going to have a baby named Jesus. We read stories and and passages of preparation, reminding us that Jesus is coming. That he came and that he's going to come again. So for this time in Advent, we've changed slightly in that we're reading the opening to John's gospel. It's called the prologue. A prologue is a way of setting the stage, of getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody ready to enter into the story properly. We said last week, it's, it's giving everyone the background and the context and even the attitude that was in the air. The attitude, background, and context. The ABCs of setting the stage. And so I explained last week that maybe because one of my children was in a play that I started playing with that mindset of a play or a movie theater. And John's prologue kind of works in three separate sections that one could say that his prologue is preparation for us to enter into God's story of love to us. It's a story that prepares us and it can be best presented possibly as lights, lights, lights. Camera and action. Last week we did lights. Lights are what we need to see, to see clearly. Lights shine in the darkness. Light helps us to see. You know, my grandfather that lived locally one year as a college student, I got the great privilege of repainting his house. Grandpa was pointing out that it was starting to peel some, and it needed painting. And so I came every day during the summer to paint the house. The only thing is, you know when you paint, when you're with a child and we're going to paint a room, they're excited, let's get the brushes out and let's just start painting. But what do you have to do when you paint? You have to do a lot of preparation, right? You have to scrape and peel. If you're inside, you've got to plug up holes you got to tape. Some of you are so good that you cut without tape. We're not talking to you. But you got to do all this preparation. Well, there I was at Grandpa's house, and I was starting to do the preparation. He didn't want me to. He was in his 90s. He could no longer see. This man who had taught me so much could no longer see that I was having great fun peeling off the paint. This house was giving me two-foot-long strips of paint. You know what I'm saying? that 's exciting. this is the type of stuff you roll up and you take home to show somebody else. Look at what I took off grandpa 's house. Grandpa got frustrated with me, and he picked up the brush and he started painting right over those long strips well what 's going to happen it 's just going to peel off in a week or two, right? We need to see clearly in order to properly prepare and on last week, we were given from John, we were given four different words that were handholds for us to find our way into the light side of what John had to teach us. Those four words were these. Word, life, light, word, Life. Light. Do you know what the other word is? We're not going anywhere until we figure that out. Darkness. Word. Life. Light. Darkness. And he used those four words to start to give us the story. The story that... Jesus was there in the very beginning at creation. That Jesus was the one who created. But that something happened. Something happened that there is darkness. That we can't see clearly. That we're struggling and that we need light in order to be able to see. In the picture of God's love to us, we need to see things once again properly. And so last week in preparation was about seeing that we need light. This week, we're moving from lights to camera. We're going to keep carrying the theme of lights The theme of word and life and light and darkness. And we're going to start to move into camera. And in particular, when the the director calls for lights and camera, he's calling for a focus. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Because really what it is about is focusing. So let's read the second part of John's prologue. Let's pray that God opens it to us. Lord, help us not only to see, but to properly focus. Help us to see and focus in on your story of love for us, that we might rightly be in a position of preparing for your coming again. Guide us through your spirit to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first five verses aren't on the screen. It went like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything that was made was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And now our reading for today. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Focus. I think we've all been there where we are out of focus. It used to be uh, before the advent of smartphones and even uh, for those of us can remember before the Polaroids that we would take a picture and then have to wait days to see whether or not we took a good picture. And sometimes we were frustrated to find it was a great picture. It was just not in focus. Or maybe you've watched a sporting event on TV. It doesn't happen often, but every now and then, in the switching from scene to scene to scene that we don't even think about, every now and then, it, we're caught off guard when they switch to a scene where that camera they weren't supposed to go to just yet. It's, a, it's focused in on the turf. Or at a basketball game, it's looking at someone who, who's got their back to you. It's not a camera they're meant to go to. They went to the wrong camera, so we're in the wrong focus. We've got the wrong thing in the frame, and we quickly yanked away to something else. Or maybe you're watching the evening news, and suddenly the camera goes on the newscaster, who isn't the one talking at the moment, and they're scratching their head, or they're doing something else off camera, but yet they're on camera. They're the one focused upon, and we're really out of focus. The call for camera is the call for focus, to bring the audience into the right picture, to see things just right. John is writing an incredible piece of work that in many ways almost feels like poetry, but not It's certainly far more than prose. It's somewhere in between, and it becomes difficult because it's so loaded with meaning that every time you look at it, there's something more to get from it. And yet it's packed into these 18 verses. This second part is calling us to focus. The call for lights, now camera, and the camera zooms in, and what do we have? We have a man sent from God whose name was John not Jesus John we were talking about the word we were talking about that life was in him and, and in him, that life that was the light for all people And, and but now we're on John we're struggling to catch up. Uh, Our preparation is caught for a moment. We've opened a door and found, oh, there's a lot more to be done in there. John. And in this moment of focus where we expect the camera to quickly shift away again as if it's the wrong place, we find, no, it's staying put. We've moved, we've transitioned. We're not talking about the word at the moment. We're talking about John. And yet there are two things about John that are what we're supposed to know. We don't learn anything about his, how tall he was. We don't learn anything about his age. We don't learn anything about the color of his hair or his eyes. Nothing about his complexion at all. We don't even hear what he's wearing in this story. We get nothing about him except for these two things. That he was sent from God and that he's a witness. Our focus upon John zooms further in to these two central items sent from God and a witness. Now, sent, that sent conveys two things. One, that he has a responsibility, and two, that he comes with authority. Or you could do it the other way around, authority and with responsibility. Uh, many of us have done this. When we have multiple children in our household, we get a hold of one child, and we say to that child, go tell your brothers and sisters to, and you can fill in the blank, we've just dubbed that child an ambassador, an agent of our doing. That child is no longer just that child. That child now has to march forward with our marching orders, holding our authority, and they've been sent with a responsibility that child has. Now, what we've given that child is authority and responsibility. That child goes to the other children and says, Dad says, hear ye, hear ye, our father has dictated from on high that mom says to come to dinner. Now, that child could go forward with authority and do whatever they want and say, Dad says, and make things up, and that could be a lot of trouble for that ambassador that little agent. They could forget what they're supposed to do. They could forget the responsibility they're carrying. But the role is both authority and responsibility. This man was sent by God. And the responsibility was spelled out for us that he is a witness A witness. A witness is someone who not only sees something, but is later recounted and called upon to be the one who conveys what they saw, what that one experienced. That's what a witness is. A witness has first-person knowledge. John was a witness. And this is where the focus begins to zoom back out and reposition. John was to bear witness to the light. His responsibility, his marching orders were to carry forth the idea that the light is coming. That was his role. And it should tell us something about the challenge that each of us have as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we too bear now the responsibility to witness to the light that is in us. That this isn't just a past tense talking about John, but it's a foretaste, a forerunner of who we are to be that we now, God has chosen to work through us to bear witness to his son, Jesus Christ, that the light has entered the world. God isn't choosing at this time to trumpet from the sky, to rent a plane with a large banner that everybody sees so that my son is coming. He's chosen to place that authority and responsibility on us to bear witness to, to the light. The focus is shifting from the light for a brief moment to John the Baptist as well as ourselves that we are to bear witness to the light. And then just in case we get caught, and sometimes we do, to realize it's not about John and it's not about us. It's always about the light. There's this reframing. I love the way it says it. He himself, that is John, was not the light, but was to bear witness to the light. This is the third time it says witness in just a few sentences. He himself was not the light. Don't get confused. Don't get the wrong focus here. This is not about John. It's still about Jesus. He was not the light, but he was to bear witness to the light. How many times we get something that becomes the center of our world? I mean, we can do it with a car. We get a bright, new, shiny car, happy. And all we needed the car was to get us from A to B. But suddenly we put a whole bunch more into that car. It becomes kind of a status symbol. I got a new car. Maybe it's a nice car more expensive than others. I've got a nice newer car, brighter, more expensive than everybody else. Look at me. Suddenly the car says a lot about me. I remember talking to a dentist once who explained he didn't like the car he was driving. I can't remember if it was a Mercedes or BMW, that he'd much rather be driving something else, but he explained to me a simple statement. He says, you need to understand, I don't like the car. I'd rather be driving this, but I have to drive that because if I drive instead some simple car, people will think that I'm not making a lot of money because I'm not a good dentist. So I've got to drive a car that says I make a lot of money that tells people I'm a really good dentist. Think about that logic for a little bit. Suddenly the car is more than the car, and yet it was only meant to be an instrument to get us from A to B. I mean, car, after all, is short for horse-drawn carriage. Or a non horse drawn carriage, car, carriage. We can so easily lose our focus that we make it about John. And, and John, uh, John is uh, the writer, the gospel writer, is quick to say the focus is not about John the Baptist, but who John the Baptist was in, in terms of the light, who we are in terms of the light. The focus is upon the light. And why did he do this? Why was he given this task? Why was he sent and told to be a witness? So that others might come to believe. That through him, others would believe. That God chooses to work through us, that others come to believe. And Why would we bother doing Sunday school or anything else with the children? If it's not through us that they come to believe through our work. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is the one who finally makes that decision with the child or any other person, but we have a part. So the focus now zooms out and says, he himself was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light, in other words, not John, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. God's story of love to us. The true light, which gives light to everyone, and reminds us the condition is darkness. The focus, it reminds us that we're in darkness and that we need light. We need to be able to see clearly in this mess. The true light was coming into the world. But here's the irony. Here's a further description of the darkness or the problem. The reason that we need a light and that we need life and we need the word. Here's the problem. That after creation... Darkness has set in. Sin has set in. And John gives that problem to us in two ways. He says, this light, this Jesus came into the world. This world that he made. Back to that whole creative idea. The world that he made, he came into the world, the world that he made, and ironically, the very world that he made did not not recognize him, did not know him. Think about that. The created didn't know the creator. John doesn't stop with the irony there. It goes on to say, not only that, he came to his own, his own people. In other words, those who were set up to know who he was. Those who had been planned and set aside to know that he was coming, to know that and to anticipate. He came to those people, the ones in the know. And it doesn't say they didn't know him. It says they didn't know receive him. They didn't receive him. And there's a warning for each of us. It's easy for us to play it off on a a people, on the Jews, and say, well, they should have known better. But it's true for us as well. You see, because over time, we are very apt to make God Into our own creation. We're very quick to explain who we think God is and who God should be. And as Christians, we're just as much danger of doing that. That we make God into who we think God should be. We make God smaller. And so when God does show up as who God truly is, there are times where we reject that. We say, if God is really like that, then I don't want any... Who are we to say? We're the creation. He came to his own, his own people, and they did not receive him. And here's where the focus really zooms in. Zooming in on the light. Zooming in on the Christ child. Zooming in on Jesus, the word, the life. And it says, but to those who did receive him. Believing and receiving. to Those who believed in him. Those who received him. He gave. He granted. What's it say here? He gave the right to become children of God. Simply believing in Him and receiving Him as the Word as the light coming into the world, as the light that shines in the darkness, as the one who truly brings life, or as he himself once said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we believe that, if we receive that, he grants us to be children of God. No longer set apart, no longer broken, but children of God. And lest we get confused. I love the way John puts it. And and that whole becoming a child of God, that's, that's not through blood. Though maybe through the blood of Jesus. It's not through blood or the will of man or the will of the flesh, but rather through the will of God. God grants us the right to be his children by receiving and believing in Jesus Christ. So in this Advent season, as we prepare, as we get ready for the coming of of the Christ child and Christ's return, it's about us once again remembering that it's all about Believing and receiving Him as our Lord and Savior. That the light has come, that we're called to focus. And next week, we'll get to hear about action. Let's pray. Oh Lord, may your word guide us. May we, through your Spirit, be not only reminded of who we are, but whose we are. May we carry the responsibility and authority that you've given us. And may we renew our own belief in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. Amen.